If you were alive in the 1990s, you know Rage Against the Machine. Their debut went triple platinum, and their next two albums were number one records. And it is very likely, if you're anything like most people, you think Rage rocks. Because they do. But they are also the most popular political band of all time, or maybe the most politically popular band of all time. It's hard to tell. Let's talk about it. The microphone explodes, shattering the molds. Either drop the hits like De La O or get the fuck off the commode. Wit the sure shot, sure to make the bodies drop. Drop and don't copy, yo. Don't call this a co-op. That, of course, is a lyric from 1996 Bulls on Parade by the incendiary Los Angeles rap rock band Rage Against the Machine. There has never been a band like Rage, and there never will be again. And they're the focus of today's episode of Sounds Good to Us, which you are listening to now. I'm Gregory Hill. And I'm Jordan Stone. This is a music podcast where two friends of 21 years and counting pick one artist per episode and talk about why that artist is awesome to us, even in the preposterously small chance that you might not agree. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Jordan, 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 today's the day. Today's the day, buddy. We are finally getting to the Jordan episode, the Rage Against the Machine episode. How do you feel, bud? This is my moment, truly, of all previous episodes and all future episodes. I can't top this. I will say that you have been preparing for this since you were probably 13 years old. That is correct. When you ran, and we'll talk about this later, the most popular Rage Against the Machine website on the internet. I'm just excited for you as your friend, for us to finally have arrived here. Jordan, obviously, this is your favorite band, so you're going to take the heart perspective today. You can just sit back and just tell us why you think this band is awesome. I'm going to take the head. I'm going to focus on why this band's important. I'll mostly focus on stuff like how they remain the most popular, overtly political band in the history of popular music. That's what I'll argue, and especially as mainstream music has typically been about commercialism and not grounds for the radical politics of Rage Against the Machine. Jordan... Are you ready to testify? Let's do it. First thing, we're going to kick it off here. We're going to talk about some personal connections that we have with Rage. We're both big Rage fans. But Jordan, since you're the biggest Rage fan of them all, we're going to start with you. Tell me a little bit about your history with Rage. If you could start where you first heard about them, take us to present day. Yep. Rage Against the Machine is hands down my favorite band of all time. And for me, that's saying a lot. If you've listened to this podcast, you understand my passion for all music. And Rage is the only band or artist I really, truly obsess over. It all started in the summer of 1996. I was in fifth grade. And to this point, my exposure to music had been not only limited, but very tame cake nirvana maybe some beastie boys not a lot of exposure to hip-hop at this point i mean i was only 10 years old so it's summer of 96 i'm sitting in front of the tv at my childhood home in brentwood tennessee and the bulls on parade music video debuts on mtv and my life was forever changed This was nothing like I'd ever seen before. The lead singer had dreads. He was rapping, singing, and yelling. 
they dressed like I did, t-shirts and jeans. They did not have costumes. They were not trying too hard or anything like that. They looked like I did. Tom Morello was creating DJ and record scratching sounds with a guitar. Most of this music video is a live performance of the song. It's not some overly produced music video with a big budget. This band radiated something I had never seen before, and it wasn't even fucking close. Mm -hmm. We're about to compare Rage to other bands. There are no comparisons for Rage Against the Machine. I was hooked. At 10 years old, this was my first addiction. I somehow convinced my parents to drive me to the mall so I could buy Evil Empire and their self-titled album. I started playing guitar because of Tom Morello. I got a subscription to Rolling Stone and Guitar Player and all of these magazines just so when they had Rage in the magazine, I could cut out the pictures and put them on my wall. Greg, you remember this. My childhood room was covered in Rage posters. Can't confirm. I was like a, a high school girl with new kids on the block covering their walls. Well, that was Rage Against the Machine for me. I've seen them live one time in Nashville on December 8th of 1999. I know that because I still have the ticket stub. I was in the mosh pit at 14 years old. Shout out to my parents for letting that happen, which is pretty badass. Dad, I know you listen to the podcast. Thank you. Next, Greg brought this up. I taught myself HTML and built one of the first Rage fan sites because of Rage. I wrote all the copy on the websites. There was no Wikipedia. I didn't have that much to research and look at, but I wrote full-length bios. I tracked and kept record of the guitars, pedals, and accessories that Tom Morello used. And in the early 2000s, if you Googled Tom Morello, my website was one of the first results. Then they broke up suddenly in 2000. After releasing Renegades, I was distraught. To put in perspective how upset I was when they broke up, three of the members of Rage went on to create a really, really good band. Really good band called Audio Slave with Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. It's basically like a super group, right? They're known for songs like Cochise and Like a Stone. I refused to listen to Audio Slave for like five years because I was in such grief and pain and the anger was just so strong that I didn't want, it was like almost like, you know, like an ex-girlfriend or something like that. I just didn't want to even take in that music and I finally then became an Audio Slave fan. But technically that grief has lasted all the way to now. I saw Prophets of Rage in 2016, which was three members of Rage touring with Chuck D and Be Real on vocals. They were playing Rage songs. I was reluctant. I had to pretty much be dragged to the show by our mutual friend, Greg. And once it started, I'm not going to lie, I teared up a bit. My three favorite bands of all time are Rage Against the Machine, Pink Floyd, and Tool. This is the most important episode of Sounds Good to Us for me to this point. And it's not even close, and I can't wait to talk about it more. I'm, I'm getting chills just listening to you talk about it. I'm excited, <laughs> man. This is going to be great. So Jordan, obviously, from just listening to that, is, is an 100 out of 100 on the scale of I'm a huge-ass motherfucking fan of Rage Against the Machine. I'm probably a 60, which sounds low. And this is not because I don't love Rage. I love Rage, but just Jordan loves Rage. Most of this is why I'm going to be focused on more of kind of like the intellectual shit is because I just don't have the depth of experience of Rage that Jordan has. But I do have three major memories. My first is that we've talked a lot about the influence of older people, like older siblings or siblings of friends 
I distinctly remember hearing Killing in the Name at a friend's house. His older brother had a Rage Against the Machine poster. He was a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. And he had the debut album on tape. When I first heard Killing in the Name, it just fucking broke my brain. The guitar was harder than anything I'd heard at that point, which is, to be fair, I was seven, right? So it's not like I was drawing from a deep pool. Zach Roca's vocals were just intense. And like, I didn't have these words at the time, but just, I just remember feeling something that I wasn't prepared for. It felt subversive and it felt mature and it felt older. And these are all things that I knew some, like some part of me wanted, but honestly, even as like a second grader, I just knew it was beyond my reach. And while watching a fifth grader listen to the lyrics saying, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, got me pretty excited about getting older and eventually hoping to be able to be cool enough to be a Rage fan. I just felt like it was something that I shouldn't have. He offered to make me a tape. I declined, which in my memory, I declined very coolly, but I'm sure I still came across like a dork. A few years later, man, I, I was really ready for Evil Empire. I was 10. I was obviously so much more sophisticated, mature, and cosmopolitan as a 10-year-old. The music video for Bulls on Parade was fucking awesome. I'm sure you remember it. I had the CD at this point. I listened to it on my CD player and headphones on trips. And this was my first pump-up record that I listened to before football games to get my mind right. Shout out to like Metallica, also No Problems by Chance and Lil Wayne. In eighth grade, when the Battle of Los Angeles came out, Rage was everywhere. They were a rare uniting force across eighth grade cliques. Football players loved Rage for like the intensity they had no fucking idea what Rage was singing about, but they understood that they went hard. Smart kids loved Rage for the lyrics and the politics and the depth, but they also didn't have the same level of intensity. But this was like the Venn diagram of 13-year-olds at my middle school. I remember classmates walking around with free Mumia t-shirts, which referenced the political activist and journalist Mumia Abdul-Jamal, who was convicted of a murder in 1982 during a dubious trial in which Zach de la Roca, and the reason why they were wearing these t-shirts, was a big supporter of appealing his conviction. Over the course of Rage's first three albums, there's not a single song I don't like, which is very rare for me in bands. Usually something stands out as being kind of out there. I love all of Rage's catalog. Also, as an aside, check out our last episode where we talked about the Chicks and how the Chicks were canceled not that, you know, far after this time period for saying one thing by country music. And yet, Rage is immensely popular for being 100x times more political than the Chicks. They burned flags. <laughs> yeah, American flags. 100%. <laughs> At Woodstock, which yeah. was televised. On, yeah. Like, and so a couple more things, like memories with Rage. Last year, a lot of you probably remember that this video circulated of Trump supporters dancing to Rage's Killing in the Name. This got a lot of ironic lulls from the internet, as it should have. The most probably radical leftist band in the history of mainstream popular music. And you have Trump supporters dancing to it. Obviously, probably unaware of what this is meaning, which is part of the reason why Rage can be so popular, because they fucking rock. It even got a direct response from Tom Morello. But it just got me thinking about what a bizarro world we live in. Jordan, you and I grew up in the 90s when we did listen to very political bands, and very political bands were popular, none so much as Rage. Not even close. Lastly, you and I recently watched the new Woodstock documentary, highly recommend. The Ringer put it out on HBO. I loved Corn and Limp Bizkit back then, but it strikes me now how much better Rage was than them is better and how much better of a legacy they'll have than other new metal bands that came at the time. They're just Rage is a cut above. Jordan, I want to do something a little bit different here. You mentioned earlier that in the year 2000, 
you created one of the most visited Rage Against Machine websites on the internet. I found it and I, I look at the entire site. Some links are broken because this is a 21-year-old website at this point. But in, in homage to you being such a Rage fan, all of my research for Rage for this episode comes from your website. Hell yes. So whether it's true, <laughs> whether it's not, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, let's fucking let's go. Let's do it. All right, Rage Against the Machine is a hip-hop, rock, funk, metal band founded in 1991. The band consists of Zach De La Roca on vocals, bass and backing vocals from Tim Comerford, Tom Morello on guitar, and drummer Brad Wilk. The name of the band came from a song by Zach LaRocca's first band, Inside Out. It's a Cali hardcore band. After the band broke up, Zach used the name for his new band. Tom Morello actually describes the machine that Rage Against the Machine is raging against again. I'm going to be highlighting a lot of the political nature of this band. This is a perfect example that this is in their DNA. The machine can be anything from the police in the streets in Los Angeles who can tear motorists from their car and beat me to a pulp and get away with it to the overall international state capitalist machinery that tries to make you just a mindless cog and not to think critically and never confront the system. Just sort of behave and look forward to the next weekend, the next six pack of beer. Jordan, this is something that you would find in like a college union on a on a poster this is not something you would expect from the one of the most critically and commercially successful bands of the 90s the band's first gig was in the living room of one of tim's friends in huntington beach california the band played only five and a half songs that they had written but the audience made them repeat them they were so good after you wrote that (laughs) after producing their own demo tape they were signed by epic and released their self-titled debut in 1992 which went triple fucking platinum on the shoulders of killing the name the fuck you version, which contains 17 instances of the word fuck, was once accidentally played on the BBC Radio 1 Top 40 single show in February 21st, 1993. I would have loved to hear that. They released Evil Empire in 1996, debuting at number one, and then Battle of Los Angeles in 1999, also debuting at number one on the Billboard charts and going double platinum. From almost the beginning, rumors swirled around the band that they were always on the verge of breaking up. In 2000, they finally did. De La Roca said, And I quote, I feel that it is now necessary to leave Rage because our decision-making process has completely failed. It is no longer meeting the aspirations of all four of us collectively as a band, and from my perspective, has undermined our artistic, and this is important, and political ideal. They did release an album of covers that Jordan mentioned earlier called Renegades. I think this album fucking rocks. With the likes of Kick Out the Jams by MC5, The Ghost of Tom Joad by Bruce Springsteen, Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan, Follow the Leader by Eric B. and Rakeem and Street Fighting Man, which is my fourth favorite Rolling Stones song. Post-breakup, the same lineup, minus De La Roca, as Jordan mentioned earlier, hired Chris Cornell to form a supergroup called Audio Slave. The band did re- reunite in 2007 to tour. They actually headlined the final day of Coachella in 2007. In 2018, they did finally reunite again as a full band. And lastly, somehow... Criminally, they have not been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, although they've been eligible I, for the last five years. Okay, it's been the last. I thought it was only this year, but yeah. they're el- they're eligible. I hope they get in. And by the way, they they announced their tour in 2018, but because of COVID, mm-hmm. they never got to actually do it. Uh, and it's pushed back a few years. Got it. Yeah. yeah, they're not the kind of band you want to watch on Zoom. No. All right, so Jordan, let's get into the next part where we try to pick one, and this is going to be impossible for you, but. We try to pick one song that really just embodies the sound, the spirit of the band. What song do you choose for Rage? 
Know Your Enemy from 1992's Rage Against the Machine. The two best produced rock albums of all time, in my opinion, are Dark Side of the Moon and Rage Against the Machine's self-titled debut. This album is an incredible representation of rock music in its purest form. It was recorded entirely live with the full bands and vocals in the same room together. That is extremely uncommon. I can't stress how much that is uncommon in modern audio recordings. Know Your Enemy defines rage for me. It opens with Tom's one-of-a-kind guitar riffs. Zach likes to talk off the cuff to the intro of songs, and this song has that. It has Zach's signature rap style, that infectious guitar riff that makes you want to drop everything and learn electric guitar, which I did. And fun fact, Tool's lead singer, Maynard James Keenan, sings the bridge of this song which I love. I'm a huge Tool fan. And then it you know, has a signature Tom Morello guitar solo. Know Your Enemy defines rage to me. My choice is Testify from 1999's The Battle of Los Angeles. of a surprising choice to me i think jordan you're going to talk about like amongst rage fans the battle of los angeles has this thing that no one thinks about anymore it's almost like they sold out which is stupid because the battle of los angeles is great i think this song embodies rage for a couple of reasons number one rage is a band that just doesn't sound like anyone else full stop they only released three albums over the course of eight years right we, this isn't a Beatles situation where we have 10 albums to really understand the changing style of a single band Rage sounded the same over the course of those three albums. That's not a bad thing. All of their songs best represent their song and style. Yeah. But if there is a Rage Against the Machine checklist, which is something we've talked a lot about with these, this category in the past, this song, to me, checks those boxes. It has fierce rapping from Zach. You talked about that signature style of Zach's rapping. Insane guitar from Tom. Like you already mentioned, Tom Morello doesn't so much play the guitar. He makes sounds with the guitar. Yes. And he talks a lot about this. If you're a guitar fan or you play the guitar, just YouTube Tom Morello talking about the guitar. When he started playing, he just started realizing that he could do crazy shit with it. It's unlike anything else, even though he is also an elite conventional guitar player. But this song is one of many that features that sound that he's able to make. Brad's drumming is wild. Like it's just like all over the place and it's so just so crazy. And I think that brings a lot to this song. It brings forward a lot of political imagery. The singles cover had Tommy Smith and John Carlos' famous Black Power salute from the 68 Olympics in Mexico City. The music video was directed by Michael Moore, who at this time, like most people knew from things like Roger and Me and eventually Bowling for Columbine. Yep. The video itself has all this stuff about capitalism and the US electoral system and, and America's reliance on oil and the military industrial complex. It is a very radical song and one that was immensely mainstream. The song is about sort of the media downplaying the atrocities of the U.S. government while distracting us with blockbusters and tabloid scandals and how we have to testify and protest. That song really is something that embodies what rage is. 
Let's get to some artist comps, Jordan. What are some bands that you think sound like Rage or, or remind you of Rage or there's some common theme with Rage or vice versa? So give us the first comp. Who? What other band reminds you of Rage? Let's kick it off with Public Enemy and Fight the Power from 1990's Fear of a Black Planet. I mentioned earlier in the episode that there aren't true comps for rage, at least sonically, but there are comps politically or point of view or influence and public enemy is the best place to start. Rage was heavily influenced by public enemy, but you can hear there's very small, if any sonic similarities, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, public enemy is, is a hip hop group. And so I picked this song for its message, its attitude, its influence on what Rage would put to tape a few short years later. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about decades here between these two groups, but they're right around the same time Rage came right after, and they had a lot of influence from Public Enemy. I'm going to keep kind of tripling, quadrupling down on the political themes. What other artists were mainstream and political? Let's start with sort of the OG from the folk side. Woody Guthrie with the song Tear the Fascists Down. I walked up on a mountain in the middle of the sky Could see every farm and every town I could see all the people in this whole wide world That's a union and tear the fascists down, down This is in the 30s, so the fascists they're talking about are literal Nazis, right? And shit like... What he got through is a good parallel for a lot of reasons, but number one, Tom Morello has written on his own guitar, This Machine Kills Fascist, which famously was written on Woody Guthrie's guitar 70 years ago. It's shit like This Land is Your Land, which all of you know this song. This Land is Your Land is a incredibly patriotic song in the way we think about it. It's also an incredibly political song, despite it being played in like commercials that are supposed to evoke America. Let me tell you some of the lesser sung lyrics. These are not things that you sung in, uh, in elementary school. In the shadow of the steeple, I saw my people. By the relief office, I seen my people. As they stood there hungry, I stood there asking, is this land made for you and me? So the third verse, almost like uh, Garth Brooks' third verse to uh, Friends in Those Places, the third verse is never shared, but it was written and it was recorded on the original version of Woody Guthrie's this land is your land. And it's a song about workers and how this land is not for everyone. And that's in the 30s. And then there's a bunch of other songs that are just like talking about the politics of the time. Plane Wreck at Los Gatos, Slipknot, which is about lynching, 1913 Massacre, So Long It's Been Good to Know You, which was like an environmentalist song in the 40s. This is an OG artist who Rage definitely listened to and definitely idolized and was also immensely popular. Next up is Black Sabbath's Iron Man from 1970's Paranoid. So Tom Morello has cited Black Sabbath as an influence for him. But remember how I picked Know Your Enemy as the song that best describes rage? Well, I want to call back to Know Your Enemy in this comp with Black Sabbath's Iron Man. So check out the intro to Iron Man. Iron Man. Now 
now listen to the end of the guitar solo in Know Your Enemy. Sound familiar? I rest my case why Black Sabbath is a rage comp. There you go. All right, so we're going to go from sort of the OG folk era into the Reagan era, mostly dominated by like punk in politics. And I'm going to choose the Dead Kennedys and their song Holiday in Cambodia from 1980's Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. those of you who don't know the Dead Kennedys, they're a punk band from San Francisco. They're mostly active like late 70s throughout the mid 80s. Punk is obviously inherently political. There is not really a punk band that isn't political. It attracts politics. I guess some punk bands could be nihilist, but uh, you know, whatever. It's mostly political. The Dead Kennedys are even more well known for their politics than most punk bands of this period while still releasing music. But the Dead Kennedys are more well known than most punk bands of this period. They're one of the most famous punk bands of this time, but they still released music that was explicitly political or in some way satirical in nature. They were generally anti-establishment, directed towards pretty much anything that they perceived to have power. Pull My Strings, for example. Is my cock big enough? Is my brain small enough for you to make me a star? That's a song about how basically the establishment, you know, music business is dumbing things down so that people are dumber and less likely to question things. California Uber Ales, an entire song that's making fun of then governor of California, Jerry Brown. And then lastly, the song that I chose, Holiday in Cambodia, which directs its ire to college age students of the time who are like presumably pro-communist ones, like even politically active ones while Pol Pot of the Khmer Rouge killed roughly 25% of Cambodia's population. And then these students didn't say anything about it. Next up for me, you cannot see me right now because this is an audio format, but I am ducking as I'm saying this because Rage fans might be throwing things through the speaker right now at me. As I say this comp, Limp Biscuit and the song Counterfeit from 1997's $3 Bill, y'all. I wanted to do my last comp with something sonically similar to Rage. And this is a song that is at least in the same ballpark as Rage, at least in sound. And Limp Biscuit is about as close as it gets to sounding like Rage, even though it's not Rage or even close to Rage. It's as close as it gets. And Limp Biscuit gets a lot of shit, and a lot of that was self-imposed, and they do deserve it. But their debut album was awesome. This album came out out of nowhere with a metal cover of George Michael's Faith. And this album, specifically the song Counterfeit, checks all the boxes for a rage comp. Hip-hop vocals and hip-hop bars, plus singing, plus metal-style yelling. Limp Bizkit does all of the vocal stylings that Rage does, and that's not super common, with live hip-hop-style drums plus hard rock distorted guitar. There are not many bands, at least commercial bands in the history of music, that do all of those things. And if you've never given $3 Bill Y'all a listen, please do. It's before Limp Bizkit became full-on cheesy, and it has some good rage vibes. 
It's just one of those days when you don't want it. <laughs> that was actually after. So agreed. The first <laughs> Limp Bizkit album was much more like rage. You will get hatred for that, though, but not yes. for me. My last choice and our last choice in the comps is the band The Coup with the song Wear Clean Drawers. It's time to show and tell, play a more song. Tell your teacher I said princesses are evil. How they got all their money was they kill people. If somebody hit you, hit them back. Then negotiate a peace contract. Life is a challenge and you gotta team up. If you play house, pretend that the man clean up. I would have gone with Run the Jewels here, and Jordan actually recommended Run the Jewels. I agree with that comp for sure. If you don't know who Run the Jewels are, I'm sure you do, but if you don't, absolutely check them out. They're a modern equivalent of political artists who have mainstream success, and and they're just fucking great. But since you probably know about Run the Jewels, I wanted to shine a light on the coup. It's a band that, like Rage, has politics just core to their DNA. They're from Oakland. They've had this sort of funky, West Coast, soulful sound. They haven't really had a mainstream hit, and they haven't really garnered a lot of respect within hip-hop heads or the community, but they're the only band that I know that has released as much music that as many people have listened to and has deeply informed lyrics about society that Rage has. Like Zach, they have really well-educated references to history and politics in their music. Wear Clean Drawers is my favorite song by them. It probably isn't really reflective of the point that I'm making here, but it's written from the perspective of a father to his daughter giving advice on how to navigate sort of the racist and patriarchal society that they live in, but it's also somehow funny. It's a great song. Check it out. All right, so let's get to the next spot where we're actually going to dig in here, and each episode, if this is the first time that you're listening, we listen to pretty much every single thing that the band has produced and try to craft the perfect 10-song playlist, which you can find on Spotify by visiting the site, soundsgoodtous.com. So, Jordan, get us kicked off here. I mean, this is going to be sort of a combo of Popular songs, deep tracks. Get us started with track one on the playlist. Track one is Down Rodeo from Evil Empire. This is hardcore Rage fans' favorite Rage song. It's a deep track on their second album, and there's just something special about it. Some might argue it's their most dynamic and complete song. I would argue that. It's also the peak, I think, lyrically, of Zach, the lead singer. Quote, yeah, I'm rolling down Rodeo with the shotgun. These people ain't seen a brown-skinned man since their grandparents bought one. It's intense. He's talking about Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, obviously. Next line, can't waste a day when the night brings a hearse, so make a move and plead the fifth because you can't plead the first. This, I think, is Zach at his best, and this is Rage's best song overall. My choice, and this is track two in the playlist, is Darkness from 1994's The Crow Original Motion Picture Soundtrack. So I'm going to have to do like a lot of preamble to explain why I chose this as a political song, so bear with me. Number one, the 90s were the apex of motion picture soundtracks. Jordan mentioned Air in a previous episode from 1998's Godzilla. This was a Ben Fold song. 
Spoiler, he mentions a Rage song from the Godzilla soundtrack next. That's two soundtrack songs on a 10-song Rage Against the Machine playlist. If you weren't around in the 90s, you won't understand it, but let me continue to try to explain. It's amazing to me that I spent $18 on CDs that were effectively playlists at the time, but legit bands made legit music specifically for movies, even if they ended up releasing it on the album later on. Darkness Opens was something that sounds like background music in a lobby or an elevator. This lasts for 34 fucking seconds. But then the beat drops and Zach starts rapping, and it's awesome. It's a unique Rage song from that perspective. A lot of Rage songs have that sort of dynamic shift that comes in. But this one lasts longer than anything else, and it builds up this tension that's just all released at once, and it it rocks. Technically, which I didn't know until doing research for this song, that they reworked this from an earlier demo tape, which was called Darkness of Greed. I'm sure, Jordan, you know that from your website research. But it also appeared as a non-album B-side on some releases of Killing in the Name, according to Genius, which I also didn't know. Remember, this song was on the soundtrack for a very popular movie. It was a superhero film. If you haven't seen The Crow, The Crow is a superhero film about a murdered musician who was resurrected to avenge the deaths of himself and his fiance. It had a $23 million budget and it grossed $94 million. Now it's remembered for its cult following, but this film led to a film franchise. So this was not like some indie flick that got Rage to play on it. This was a product of the Hollywood industrial film complex. And despite this, and true to my focus here on politics, this song is extremely political. First word of the song is greed, which sets a good tone and an interesting tone for a song that's on a soundtrack for a movie that grossed $94 million. Lyrics in the next verse, AIDS is killing the entire African nation and a vaccine is still supposedly under preparation. But these governments, they don't mind their procrastination. They say, we'll kill them off, take their land and go there for vacation. Again, on a mainstream movie soundtrack. More lyrics. My people's culture was strong. It was pure. If not for that white greed, it would have endured. Brandon Lee, the star of that movie, was shot and killed while it was being made. Yep. Uh, it was like a it was a blank bullet that was actually a real bullet and it killed him and they had to complete the movie with a different actor. That's crazy. Next track is No Shelter from the soundtrack to the 1998 movie Godzilla. This is probably my second favorite Rage song behind Down Rodeo, which we just talked about a little bit ago. It's on the soundtrack, this song, for the fucking Godzilla movie. Godzilla, the shitty remake. We've talked about this two episodes in a row now. The soundtrack, it keeps popping up, but it's really, really good. I digress. I'd argue this is Rage's best hip-hop song. Zach's rapping in this song is badass, but there's something about this song that defines Rage to me. This song is about how media and consumerism distracts us from the true evil empire. And Zach even calls out the movie Godzilla by name in the song. And not only that, he calls it pure motherfucking filler. So the movie that this song is on the soundtrack for, he calls out the movie as filler. I'm going to venture to say that only Rage Against the Machine can get away with that. Amazing. My next choice is Wake Up from 1992's self-titled Rage Against the Machine album. Don't, don't 
I love the Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys are my favorite band of all time. And this is the most Beastie Boys sounding rage song. And I mean that completely as a compliment. But also at the same time, it sounds much more mature and obviously has much more mature subject material than a lot of Beastie Boys songs, which is interesting to pull off, especially I was always listening to this over and over and over again this week with kind of fresh ears. I love the opening. I love how funky the song is. The bass line, the guitar track is amazing. The, the song is a criticism of the FBI's counterintelligence programs. There's actually an actual FBI memo sampled in the song about J. Edgar Hoover suppressing the black national movement in the 60s. The song is literally a direct call to action, both to already political involved folks, but especially to the non-involved. There's a ton of amazing references in the song. Again, Go through the genius annotations. I'm not going to share all of them here, but we're talking through Malcolm X to Flip Wilson to Muhammad Ali. It's drawing from a rich pop culture and political pool. Again, Rage isn't necessarily the most political band of all time, but I hope that you're starting to see it is unquestionably true that they are the most popular political band of all time. And it's still, after thinking about this for seven days now, it still blows my mind how mainstream Rage was while also hearing Zach rap about things that are typically reserved for the fringes of things that you have to find on the internet. Agreed. Rage is so political that conservatives don't care. They're just like, you're so political and so overt, we're not even going to waste our time arguing with you. Or maybe they just rock so hard. <laughs> That's right? like, They're also probably just fans. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and side note, before I forget, I really want to call this out. If you ever question Rage and their education in politics, yeah. Tom Morello has a degree in political science from a little college called Harvard. I'm yeah. sure Kansas was a safety school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Tennessee State. they know what the fuck they're talking about. Next track is Freedom from Rage Against the Machine. Solo, I'm a solo wrist, on a solo wrist. All I never on a floppy disk. This song is Brad Wilk's moment, the drummer. It's the last track on their debut album and one of the best final tracks of all time, in my opinion. I love how dynamic this song is. In the middle of the song, it slows down. And Tim Comerford, the bassist, is just playing the main riff on bass. And there's this kind of jazz instrumental section in the middle of a metal hip-hop song. It sounds like they're in a New Orleans jazz club in the 1920s or something. And Zach just goes, drop that. And it goes straight back to being a Rage Against the Machine song. It is really cool. Listen to the song Freedom. And the last 60 seconds of this song defines Rage. They end the album like they're in a small club and they're pissed. They just start throwing their instruments. You hear things crashing, the drums and guitars. It's like they just destroyed all the instruments. And the album just ends. Almost like a to-be-continued frame at the end of a movie. It's such a really badass and rock and roll way to end an album. My next choice is Take the Power Back from 1992 self-titled album. 
This song, again, this song is literally telling people to reclaim power from the government. And it was on a multi-platinum record. And this song also is a call to action for people to educate themselves on why they need to do so. In the right light, study becomes insight, is one of the lyrics that, that De La Roca had. And this should be pretty much just plastered on every teacher's wall even in a non-political way it's just it's the insight's important it's also funny to listen to the song now and i don't want to date the episode but like this year there's been a lot of talk about critical race theory and what it is and what it isn't and people not understanding it and talking about everything else remember this song was released in 1990 fucking two on a mainstream record that went triple platinum and was listed as 24 on rolling stone's list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time let me read you a lyric. The present curriculum, I put my fist in them. Eurocentric, every last one of them. See right through the red, white, and blue disguise. With lecture, I puncture the structure of lies. Again, Rage is a sort of band that you have to read the genius annotations. So many references. But it's just, it's still, it just blows my mind how popular they are and what they were able to put out there in the world. Musically, I love how prominently the bass features in the mix. And of course, as always, Morello's guitar is insane and amazing. Next track is People of the Sun from Evil Empire. So the last song I did was freedom at the end of their debut album and i mentioned it was kind of like a to be continued moment for the band and this song is the continuation this is the first track on the next album and so there's a reason i put it on this playlist this song is unique it was genreless before genreless music really became a thing when i hear the intro to this song there is some strong nostalgia of putting the evil empire cd in my sony walkman or the stereo in my car obviously when you put a cd in a player it starts on track one and you hear this uh, people come up My next choice is Vietnam from 1996, Evil Empire, which is my favorite Rage record. Check out the new style that Ali found when I'm doing a book to shut down the devil sound. Shut down the devil sound. This was a single on Evil Empire. Again, this is not some fringe punk band that only people in Berkeley, California listen to. It went 3X platinum. The bridge of this song has this really mesmerizing, just repeated guitar riff. It almost sounds digital, but it's not. I know it's it's Marillo playing it. And while Zach says, is all the world jails and churches, and just keeps repeating that and repeating that, which is a direct allusion to a James Baldwin quote. And so Rage, literary, historical, political, like they are one of the best, at least explicitly so. Maybe there's other bands who just read more and were also really smart, but that just doesn't come out in their music. Maybe Nickelback, shout out to the next episode we're going to do. But like the fact that they have direct allusions to James Baldwin quotes and have a song called Vietnam, I mean, this, it's amazing. A note on your comment about it being guitar. For the more casual Rage fans out there, every single sound on every single Rage song is either drums, guitar, bass, or vocals. Yep. Nothing 
else. So when you listen to Rage, keep that in mind. It's more impressive as you as you know that there's nothing else but those instruments. Next is Testify from 1999's Battle of Los Angeles. So I love Battle of Los Angeles, obviously, and it's funny, when this album came out, hard rock and metal fans called it soft. Some people thought they had lost their edge, and I was such a big Rage fan that my friends at the time made fun of me for this album being soft. That's how big of a fan I was. I got made fun of for the music. But compared to music these days, this album is anything but soft. And like Evil Empire, it has this great opening track that you just heard. And this is one of Rage's most approachable songs, along with Gorilla Radio and Sleep Now in the Fire. And I'd probably tell new Rage fans to start with this album and just start with Testify. It's track one and listen all the way through. So if you are a new Rage fan and you end this episode, just go play Battle of Los Angeles from the beginning. I agree, and, and I'm going to keep with Battle of Los Angeles and wrap us up here with Calm Like a Bomb. I love the bass opening to the song. It's another song that starts very calmly, and then just all fucking hell breaks loose. I don't know what it is, but just that emotional transition just makes me feel something that I just haven't felt for in a long time listening to music. Then Zach comes in, Tom brings in this really cool sort of whiny guitar effect. This wasn't a single, but I loved this song when I had the CD. You know, at this point, I don't think I ever made fun of you, Jordan, for liking Battle of Los Angeles because I thought it was fucking great, but you had to wear the hat of the Rage fan. It's really funky. It also rocks really hard. And again, some serious allusions to revolutionary history. I, I have a degree in Latin American history, and I, I studied like depths of Latin American history, which includes a lot of social movements, revolutionary history. I am impressed as someone who paid money to get a degree in this stuff. I am impressed with the depths of De La Roca's lyrics. This is the native son born of Zapata's guns. This is a triple illusion. <laughs> it's a shout out to Richard Wright's native son, which is, you know, one of the American novels. And it also is technically a shout out to Emiliano Zapata, who's a leader of the Mexican Revolution in the 19 teens. And then also then probably more relevant to Zach, to the Zapatistas, also known as the EZLN, which are a revolution, revolutionary movement De La Roca supports from down from Chiapas in southern Mexico. And so you have these just like really layered lyrics, and they still hit you in the face. We're not talking necessarily always about poetry, but just the fact that he can weave in so many references into the music and then kind of prove an overall point like Home Like a Bomb does. It's, it's just really impressive. So that's, that's our playlist. You can check it out again by visiting the website. Jordan, usually here we would wrap up, but I want to spend more time with Rage. Let's do it. So we're going to do a special section. Jordan, because Rage is your favorite band, we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you three Rage trivia questions, okay? Yep. But there's a twist. Uh-oh. All of them come from... Your original website, 
from 2000, the Rage fan website that we did some of the research for this episode. Yeah. I'm going to ask you three questions, and I want to see how well you remember your time as the Rage fan website administrator. You ready? Let's do it. In 1993, Rage released the video for Freedom, a song you talked about today. Scenes from what 1992 documentary, narrated by Robert Redford, were interspersed into the video of the live concert video? I know exactly what... No, I have no clue what it is. Incident at Ogala. Ah, Incident at Ogala. <laughs> Damn <laughs> All right, it. we started with a hard one, but let's go to a second one. We're 0 for 1, but I think you can turn it around here. You just have to get one of these right, and you'll get the Pride of the Podcast award that I just made up, okay? What band did Rage first open for on their first major performance? Porno for Pyros. I knew that one. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Some of these details, they just stick with you. Okay. Also from your website from 2000, 21 years ago, at a Philadelphia concert, Rage protested completely nude for 14 minutes with just bass and guitar feedback buzzing through the amplifier, basically like kind of white noise, and duct tape covering their mouths. Each of the four members, this is an incredibly obscure thing, and I'll be surprised if you get it. Each of the four members had letters written on their chest. What were those letters? Just a quick side note. I've worked in the music business for a long time in artist management too. And I can t- I don't understand how their management agents, mm-hmm. publicist even had them as a client. Just <laughs> as a side note, no clue how they got away with that. So it was an acronym mm-hmm. and it was PMRC, uh-huh. which stands for the Parents Music Resource Center. Ding, 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 ding. I remember that because that is what the parental advisory sticker and all that stuff that they were doing to try to censor music they Mm -hmm. that's what that was and they were protesting that it is clear jordan that you are one of the world's top rage against machine fans i award you (laughs) the pride of the podcast award that we just made up but i hope it means a lot to you and i hope rage will be proud i award you no points and may (laughs) god have mercy on your soul (laughs) you you got you got points all right so good 90s reference so that's it that wraps up our rage we've been waiting to do this episode for a very long time we wanted to make sure that we like really had a handle like on the audio because this would be like this is jordan's crowning achievement this episode we wanted to make sure it was something that he'd want to have on his lasting legacy i'm so happy that we spent time together with rage we encourage you to give us a give us a follow on twitter Give us a follow on Instagram that helps us understand how many of you there are. And also leave us a comment. Leave us some feedback potentially on our iTunes page. This helps us understand how we're doing. If you think we suck, tell us. We'll get better. If you think we're great, then great. We'll keep doing it. You know, this is a, this is a side hustle for us and, and we make no money off this. There's no ads, anything. We're just trying to have fun. So help us get better so that we can make better content for you. Thank you. See ya. See ya.